Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening. This is the Fantasy College Wrestling Podcast presented by Matt Scouts on Rockfin. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for clicking. Thank you for listening. My name is Tony DeMarco, if you haven't guessed that already, and I'm joined by my co-host, Todd Sheftick. Todd, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I finally started uh, rehab on my arm this week, so nice physical, physical therapy three times a week for the next eight weeks, and hopefully by the end I have a, my arm back. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I mean, if it had to happen, you never wanted to see it happen, but if it had to happen, at least it's during a pandemic when you can't really do anything yeah <laughs> so at least it's not like you're going to water parks or <laughs> yeah. or anything um but yeah so uh this is going to be episode two of our reckless speculation podcast um we got a treat for you lucky listeners out there all 12 of you earl smith from the openmat.com is coming on he's going to be looking at some virginia programs with us predominantly Virginia, UVA, and, um, and Virginia Tech. Uh, we touch on George Mason and, and VMI a little bit, but the meat and potatoes of the Virginia programs. And, uh, but before we get to that, um, you know, something was going on in the Twitter sphere uh, this, past couple, this past weekend. And all I have to say is I'm glad it happened on a weekend it wasn't during actual business hours or anything or else I would have got, I barely got anything done the past couple of days. Cause he was on uh, Pat Downey was on a, uh, you know, still rambling before he did a complete magnet magnet uh, wipe of his hard drive. Uh, I believe. Um, but did, did you take a look at any of that? At what was being said, the whole controversy? Oh yeah. Oh I, my God. I, I delved right in. And look, everyone's entitled to their opinion and everything, but I, I got to say, I disagree with Pat Downey. I, I think, I, I believe, and I always said that if you increase viewership, if you, if you write about it, you get more intrigue. If you get more intrigue, you get more eyes. If you get more eyes in today's world with everything being streaming and stuff like that, you're going to get more money, which then leads to more promotion and articles and documentaries and things like that, which leads to more wrestling and opportunities and things like that. So I think it's a good conversation to have. I don't think, I think he's kind of the straw that broke the camel's back almost in it. Um, But what, what did you take from the whole thing? I was loving it. I was loving, it was almost like a train wreck. I couldn't look away because he kept trying to defend himself and then we'd get blasted. And then uh, he compared himself to Jesus at one point. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was um it just went from from bad to worse um just like you said watching someone just completely like self-destruct um and and you wanted to say like dude just just put it down just take take a breath count to 10 or something but then he would come out with something else and just okay i'll i'll read what he's saying yeah <laughs> at that point you had to almost i think um you know so social media is obviously a double-edged sword because you can say what you want. You can get your stuff out there, but you can also put your foot in your mouth and it's out there for everybody to see forever. And mm-hmm. that's not a, always a good thing. No. And I mean, I, I listened to the women wrestle Two podcast uh, that came out a little bit after, I think the first blow up of his either Friday or, or Saturday and um, great podcast. If you have, haven't had the chance to go listen to it, they had Sarah Hildebrandt on who uh, was approached by flow. Um, I guess, from what I understand, after the card had been made, promoted, and then kind of the backlash was happening with Flo, um, 
I mean, the men's freestyle card that they put together was – it's a great card. Yeah, it's fire. But there is a lack of Greco. There is a lack of women's freestyle wrestling. And to come out afterwards kind of and, um, you know, maybe offer after the card had been made to say, look, we, we included somebody. And, again, I'm, I'm going off of what the Women Wrestle 2 podcast is saying. Not the greatest of looks. But I'm, yeah, I'm not like- going to – Throwing like a pity vote, like yeah, well, all right. I guess we'll put somebody on the card if you really want us to. Yeah, and we'll I'm, pay you. Um, we'll pay you a tenth as much. <laughs> and I'm an optimist. You know, I'm hoping that we have a full season. I'm hoping that you know maybe there was just something that was lost in translation. I I can only give the benefit of the doubt so many times though. So, you know, fool me once, shame on. What was it? Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame yeah. on me. Yep, that's it. Fool me, fool me the 49th time. All right, maybe you need to include some women on the card <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. But that's for everybody else to decide. There's great stuff out there. There's Twitter trolls. There's Twitter media people. Yeah. There's just, the Stalemate Show had a good recap of it with, with some of the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah. Can I, I just say one thing real quick about it? Mm-hmm. Um, anything that protects men's wrestling from title nine is a good thing and women's wrestling Mm -hmm. will help prevent them from canceling men's wrestling so Mm -hmm. if you can have both then it's good for the sport because not only is women's wrestling great to promote but it also helps keep men's wrestling around right and and again i think it comes back to it's it's a vicious circle it's if you don't promote it if you don't write about it and i'm i'm kind of going off of Flo's gained the brunt of it, but I, I don't think they deserve the full brunt of it because it's there's track, there's Rockfin, there's everything. And and track and Rockfin and and the open mat, they do a great job of actually putting out um, women's wrestling content. But I think Flo is seen as kind of the, the top right now of wrestling media. And if the top, you know, what if, if ESPN doesn't promote women's basketball, then nobody's going to be paying attention to, to women's basketball is what the, the thinking is. So, yeah. you know, you have the top, um, the top media company, they need to, I, I think if they want to grow the sport, which I know they've come out and said, we're not, I never have I said we need to grow the sport or something like that. I forget which personalities said that, but essentially wrestling such a niche sport that you need to grow it. And the way you grow it is you have content about things and, when you have content that peaks interest and when you have peak interest, then you get more eyes on it. Then when you get more eyes, you can have more matches and that leads to more money. And that's the good version of the, of the circle. The bad version is if you don't write about it, you can't get the exposure without the exposure. You can't get the money without the money there. Nobody's going to write about it. Right. It's basically what, what the, the mentality is. So I agree. Title nine, women's wrestling is is how we grow the sport and it ensures the future of the sport too but enough about that you know everybody has their own opinions everything like that um but let's get to what this is about this was a fun episode uh we had earl on went almost a uh, what an hour and 40 minutes almost of us talking yeah go on several tangents um but uh we hope you guys enjoy it and uh, we'll be doing a third episode soon. We are in talks with some other people. So keep, keep an eye out, keep an ear out for that. But uh, thanks for clicking. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody. So 
We have for our second edition of Reckless Speculation, we have Earl Smith from the Open Mat. He's going to be helping us preview the Virginia teams, specifically UVA and Virginia Tech. Earl, how you doing? Uh, doing great. Uh, always excited to talk about Virginia wrestling. So uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, ACC coming up. Definitely, I I think they might be the second best conference right now, like in the nation outside of Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, if you're crunching the numbers and you just have these six schools and, you know, what they're doing, the guys they're putting out, um, yeah, I think so. And then, you know, if you're looking at the future, uh, all these schools, uh, maybe Duke's a little bit of an exception, but all these schools are recruiting real well. So mm -hmm. there's plenty of uh, good talent, blue chippers coming in each year. Yeah, and you even think the potential for growth maybe – I know it's hard to say growth at, at this point, but ACC schools, Florida, Georgia, uh, treasure trove when it comes to young talent too. Yeah, I mean, the, the one school, whenever people say, what school would you like added at the D1 level? You know, one of the ones I'm thinking of is Georgia Tech because of, you know, the in-state talent they have, like their sophomores and juniors are just an excellent group. So it'd be great to see those guys add a team. Clemson, there's always been rumblings the past That'd few years wonderful. about them. You know, they got plenty of money down there. So, yeah, it definitely um, – I'd love to see it be a eight-team tournament rather than six. Yeah. And I I think, Todd, you were telling me a story. You were uh, talking with Henson at um, at States, and he was just reminiscing about old old days at Clemson, right? Yeah, he's um, – you know, there's been rumblings about maybe get a program together again. Now, obviously, this was all pre-coronavirus. Um unfortunately so damn coronavirus yeah i know that you know clemson's football team obviously makes enough money to pay for a, a wrestling program but that might be on put on hold for now until you know there is a football season or we know what's going on you know with the rest of the country but i'd love to see more programs in the south love to see yeah. it you know a, a wrestling college with wrestling in florida one in south carolina one in georgia i mean let's let's get it going there's plenty of great wrestlers coming out of the south right now if not for anything singlet wise, look at, you know, Florida, a singlet from Florida or Clemson, a purple and, and uh, oh, yeah. orange one. That would look great. Especially a matte in that color scheme. I don't know. But before we get into all of our uh, shenanigans dealing with Virginia and Virginia tech, um, you know, we, they outside of, of uh, wrestling. There's a lot of things going on with sports. Uh, baseball is coming back, and you viewers at home can't see it, but Earl's wearing his Washington Nationals hat, as he usually does. Baseball's back. Are you happy? Oh, I, I couldn't be happier. You know, um, <laughs> baseball and wrestling are kind of like one and one A, and maybe sometimes they even interchange a little bit with each other. So, yeah, I've been, you know, I got my wife into it. My wife never really watched baseball before we met, and, mm -hmm. you know, she's just like, man, it would be so great just – chilling watching a game right now and I'm like I know so yeah uh or it's gonna be soon yeah well you're, yeah you're yeah, hopefully yeah. yeah 66 days basically <laughs> of, of straight baseball no double headers I I would assume but <laughs> that, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with that if there's a rain delay or is it gonna be played like we were talking with uh Kevin Clonch who just watched the natural for the first time in I don't know how long. Um, are they going to be playing in, you know, the thunder and the lightning, like, uh -huh. <laughs> like in that game, just to get games in, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of extra strategy as far as, you know, do you push a pitcher more than you would have in a 162-game season because there's only 60 of them? 
yeah. um, you know, st stuff like that. So, um, and then there's some little different rules they have with the DHs and the yeah, uh, extra innings. Yeah. Extra innings are putting the guy on second to start. Yeah. Um, so two sacrifice flies equals win? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's going to have the intended consequences of, you know, making it more exciting. It might end it quicker, but I don't know if you're going to have it. It's not going to be as fun, I don't think. Yeah. Now, I saw a, a thing on Twitter. Everyone was going, well, who was your favorite baseball player when you were 10 years old? Wh which one? What? Who was your favorite player when you were 10 years old? Uh, probably either Frank Thomas or Ken Griffey Jr. And, um, you know, the Nationals weren't around at the time. So uh, Baltimore was the closest team. So Cal Ripken was always, you know, steady in there mm -hmm. for me. All right. Todd, how about you? Who was your favorite baseball player at 10 years old? Oh, um, you know, I grew up in, in Western PA, so the uh, Pirates were actually really good back then. So I like Barry Bonds. That was, you know, pre-steroid um, Barry Bonds when mm -hmm. he was a normal-sized human being. But he was still a great <laughs> player. So, you know, that team with Barry Bonds and Benia and Sid Bream and Van Dyke, I mean, that was just a great, you know, they never really won anything, but they were fun to watch, you know, back in the early 90s uh, with, that, with the great um, baseball teams they had back in Pittsburgh at the time. And for me, I, I ne never really followed baseball too much, but this is, this is going to be terrible. My favorite baseball player was Mickey Morandini <laughs> because I, I, I met him once and I'd never really like followed baseball or anything. And I liked how Harry Callis would always, you know, announce his name, Mickey Morandini up to bat, you know, <laughs> so it, nobody exciting, not a hall of famer or anything, just Mickey Morandini, just a fun name to say. That makes for a good story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, any good quarantine stories? Uh, anything that you were binging or recommend to those looking to binge? Uh, you know what? Not really. Um, I, I watched The Last Dance like uh, you know a lot of sports fans did. And that mm. was awesome. And Tiger King probably, right? Tiger King, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, um, nothing interesting to be honest with you. Um, it, it's funny. My wife she really is uh, funny about like getting into different shows and stuff. So there've been a couple that we've watched a few episodes of and put it aside. So, mm. um, you know, Ozark's one that I started like a year or two ago. That's, that's a great show. Yeah. And that's what all the people I've talked to during this time, you know, that's, you know, 90% of them are saying that's the show to watch. So at some point I'm going to get back into that. Yeah. That, that's a great show. I love that show. Yeah, I, I like Jason Bateman. I from I'm a huge yeah. Arrested Development fan, so it's a definite 180 <laughs> from what he yeah. used to be. Yeah, but I I watched um, uh, what was that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. I yeah. I thought it got too hyped. <laughs> like well, hype train. Yeah, it it changed the ending. The ending's the like only important part. I don't know. To me, it's just too much hype on it. Yeah. You know, now that you say it, I saw uh, Knives Out. Ooh, I haven't that, seen that yet. That was a good, like, kind of whodunit type mystery where you get little twists and turns. I, I would recommend that. I like that. I, I'm a yeah. fan of, of the old Clue movie, too. So I, Yeah, I, yeah, it was, <laughs> like it was along those lines. <laughs> I have a, a confession to make. I, um, I watched a movie last night that I probably should have watched years ago, but I just never, for some reason, ever watched it. I watched The Fighter last night. Mm -hmm. Oh, with uh, with uh, what's his face? Um, with Christian Bale and, and yeah, Mark. yeah, yeah, yeah. What a great movie! I, I can't believe I waited this long to see it. It was 
it was brilliant. It was good. I liked it. No, I, I don't think I've seen that now that you say that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, put that on your watch list. Add to the list. <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this the last show or not, but the um, I really enjoy the show Dark on Netflix. Did I mention that on the last show, Anthony? I don't know if you mentioned it on the last show, but I know you've mentioned it to me that Dark yeah. was good. I got through a couple episodes of it. It's good. Yeah. I just never... It's, it, you, gotta, you gotta watch, you know, in, in order. You can't really miss anything because it jumps around a lot, but it's it's really well written. It's, you know, science fiction-y, but it's really good story, uh, well acted. Mm. Uh, I recommend that show to anybody listening if they're looking for a show to jump into. It's only three seasons. I think there's eight to eight or nine episodes a season, so it won't take that long to get through. Yeah. Uh, all, last season just came out, so. All 12 of our listeners will probably yeah. put that on their, their <laughs> list. <laughs> well, um, one more thing before we get into wrestling. you doing the uh, usual um, gimmick of what are you drinking tonight? So, Earl, you got a beer or a drink? Yeah. I've got uh, Kona Light Blonde Ale. Um, I really like uh, Kona's. Their Longboard is probably my favorite beer if I had to pick one. And uh, I also like their golden ale. Like, I, I don't know, uh, you know, sometimes beer snob wise, you know, it's mm-hmm. more heavier, bitter stuff. You know, I'm not really big into too many IPAs. So I mm-hmm. kind of stay towards uh, that type of thing. You drinking anything, Todd? Um, unfortunately, I got to pick my brother up at the airport tonight. So no drinking for me. Yeah, good. Smart man. Yeah. And I, I went with something local. I, I really tried to find, because I felt it would be appropriate to everything that's been going on Twitter. Today is, uh, what, the 16th, July 16th, 2020, to timestamp it. Uh, I was trying to find Natty Bo, because I felt like that would be appropriate with Pat Downey and, <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Nowhere near me. So, yeah, nah, maybe that's yeah. for the better. Then. Yeah. But I'm drinking Levante Brewing Company, Bira de Levante. So Westchester, Pennsylvania, Pilsner, maybe Italian style Pilsner. Eh, it's all right. It's a little hoppy. But. Yeah. Levante is a pretty good beer company overall. Yeah. They're, they, they have a good one called, uh, what is it, Cloudy and Cumbersome? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's their best beer, I think. For a four-pack of that, it was like $17, $18. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I, when it comes to beer, I – Look, I'm like, did you ever watch that show, uh, How I Met Your Mother? I have, yeah. Okay, so I'm like Marshall. I like my drinks fruity, and I like beers that aren't so hoppy or anything. You know, sue me, whatever. But mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't like IPAs. I don't like double IPAs. Yeah. I think just, just give me a good Pilsner, a good lager or something. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm along the same lines. Yeah, and maybe Levante will sponsor us. Probably not, but eh, it's worth a shot. well again uh if you're not familiar with the program since we're only two episodes in basically what we're going to be doing is going through uh the lineup specifically in this uh episode uva virginia and uh virginia tech taking a look at way too early lineups uh potential for fantasy starters guys that you can look at for uh weekly pickups your ad drops or transfer portal pickups tpps as we call um, and also looking at their freshman class, because as we know, red shirts and freshmen can be just as, if not more important than maybe your starters. Those are your heavy hitters, those, those torment guys. So um, before we look at Virginia and Virginia Tech, there's a couple other schools uh, in Virginia, VMI and George Mason. Last year, VMI had Neil Richards, who was, I believe, number two in all of 
NCAA uh, fantasy scoring wise uh, per Russell stat. And it was funny because at Southern Scuffle, I remember people going, who's Neil Richards? I, I've never heard of Neil Richards. And he, he literally a senior that last year. That's all he does. He just wins by bonus, <laughs> you know, um, this coming year, VMI looks maybe a little bit down. Uh, Neil Richards, obviously graduates. Joe Chisco's there. His brother wrestled for Virginia Tech uh, mm-hmm. for two years, two-year uh, AA, I think. And then, unfortunately, yeah. twice All-American. Did yeah. he run into just didn't want to wrestle anymore? Or do you know anything about that? Yeah, I think he had had some kind of personal issues that okay. led to him not wrestling for you know, the rest of his career. But yeah, he, he jumped out and was an All-American his first two years. Yeah. Tech. Well, you know, you know wrestling is, is great. Everybody wants you to wrestle, but you got to get yourself prepared in MLA. And, you know, if there were certain things that he had to deal with, better get those straight first. You know, that that's what's more mm-hmm. important in this life. Yeah. Another, another thing with Trisco real quick is I, I know that uh, he was cutting a, a lot of weight. And I think sometimes when coaches just make you cut all that weight for so many years, you just – you know, you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, he wrestled 45, I think, in high school. And, you know, three years later, he's wrestling 49. I mean, he was he was big in high school at 45. Yeah. I mean, I mean he was huge. So, I think at some point, you know, just letting a kid get a little bit bigger helps them stay, you know, enjoying the sport. You know, right. kind of like Pletcher at, you know, Ohio State, you know, moves up a weight and, you know, not the biggest 41-pounder, but without him cutting all that weight, he turns into a, a bonus machine, you know, his senior year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And one other person I had noted, um, maybe it's a little, uh, you know, uh, for us, Tyler Musaw is at VMI. Um, he wrestled for Unionville for, uh, for three years where Todd and I coach. <laughs> so yeah. I got to coach uh, for uh, two and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Senior year. Um, he is funky. He's very funky. And he's one of those guys like Caldwell that will pin you in a splatel every single time or, uh, I think he went to the Askren Wrestling Academy. He's he's one of those kind of guys, you know. So I can definitely see falls, tech falls from him, especially as a freshman going to opens and and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I saw that on your notes you mentioned him, and I thought that was a, a great guy to highlight because I was looking through you know high school stuff uh, over the I don't know I guess spring and saw all the pin numbers he racked up. And I think he was a New York state champion, uh, mm-hmm. smaller school level. And uh, that's kind of a bigger recruit than VMI has been able to pull in. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, the past probably decade or so. So, you know, yeah, that could definitely be a sleeper or, you know, someone to pick up for the long haul. Absolutely. I think he's going kind of under the radar too, from, from the recruiting class, just the big names in the recruiting class. He's definitely mm-hmm. a guy that maybe you, you swoop in at, you know, as, as your what I think Russell said has 10 starters two flex and, and three. So maybe in like your 14th round or something, picking him up as a yeah. sleeper and can go a long, long way. Um, and then I George mate. Uh, what Todd? I said, I picked him up. Yeah. <laughs> nobody knew who he was. <laughs> yeah. In our, in our fantasy draft, you picked him up. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're hoping for all those wins. Uh, and then George Mason also had a, Great year as a team last year, too. Uh, they lose Colson DeBlassie, who's a pin machine in his own right, but they return some some heavy hitters. Cornelius Schuster at 165, Colby Ho at 157, and Alex Madrigal, 
uh, who was number 14 last year in fantasy points. Um, they all return. I, I think they're all seniors too, if, if I remember correctly. I think Ho is a junior. Is he? Oh, but, okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I talked to Frank Beasley, their head coach, uh, last Friday, and uh, he has big expectations for Schuster. Um, I, I could see him making a big jump. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Madrigal, he said, led the country in Tech Falls, or you know, was up there among the leaders. Yep. So, um, you know, it was like Spencer Lee and you know a couple other guys and you know, magical, which mm-hmm. kind of, you know, stick out probably to most people. But uh, yeah, I think they're also getting a transfer from Sacred Heart, Kyle Davis, who had a pretty yep. good record for them. I don't, you know, didn't really have a great strength of schedule, but uh, you know, he, he could be a player. And then uh, their 133 pounder, Josh Jones is a uh, starter as a true freshman last year. And they seem to be really high and think he's going to make a jump. So, you know, maybe a late round uh, kind of sleeper pickup or someone that you're, you're monitoring as like a free agent the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah. And I, I like what Beasley's doing down there with, with George Mason. Mm-hmm. I like that team. They're exciting. They're fun to watch, you know, and I, I like, I like those teams that are scrappy, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I feel that, that Beasley's got a good scrappy team in George Mason. Um, all right. So let's, let's move on to the, as we know, kind of the two teams that, own Virginia, <laughs> I'll say. Um, and first, starting with UVA, they had an eight and six dual record last year. They lose a, a national a finalist in Jack Mueller, thirteen and one last season. And um, you know that those are pretty big shoes to fill, not just for lineup wise, but even if you're looking for a, a start at twenty five for your fantasy team. Um, looking at who Virginia has probably going to step in, I would think. McCormick is listed on WrestleStat right now as being the starter. He was 12 and five last year, but do you think any of their, their true freshmen maybe step in? Um, I would actually say McCormick. Um, he, you know, Mueller had some you know days off last year and he mm-hmm. stepped in and uh, I think he had a win over Killian Cardinal from Old Dominion, who was a national qualifier. Um, you know, talking to Mueller, I've done a couple podcasts with him. He's really thinking that he's going to have a big year. So he's, he's one that probably not many people are going to think about, but, um, you know, maybe a month into the season, people are like, you know, who the heck's this guy? But yeah, small school guy from Virginia, uh, same high school as Jason Bryant. And his dad is Mike McCormick, who's probably one of the best referees in the country. Mm-hmm. And his uh, redshirt freshman year, he was uh, 15 and 12 with a 22% bonus rate, 11% or almost 12% bonus rate last year. So you like to see maybe that bonus rate be up, but mm-hmm. a win's a win is a win is a win. You know, it, you look at Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Ross, who was the number one fantasy guy last year. <laughs> he didn't have a lot of bonus per se, but he had almost 60 matches wrestled. Yeah. So you know, those three points add up after a while. Um, what do you think of the the true freshman that they brought in with, uh, I'm going to butcher the last name, Contrastano, is that right? Mm-hmm. And and Encarnacion? And I believe those are both uh, New York kids that were uh, pretty high placers. Um, I'm not sure if they're ready to step in quite yet, but, uh, you know, it's, it's looks like good kids to, uh, you know, have them the, in the pipeline for them. Yeah. I, I mean, between 25 and, and 33, you have basically 
one, two, three, four, yeah, five guys who are true freshmen or regular freshmen. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a little bit of a log jam there because Courtney is only a sophomore. I don't see him really moving too much from there. Um, but at 33, Louis Hayes is going to be your senior starter for uh, the Cavaliers. I thought moving up to 33 was great for him. I, mm-hmm. He was cutting too much. What was it, two years ago when Mueller came back? Yeah. And last year he went 21 and 11 with a quarter of his matches being by bonus, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Louis Hayes, it, 33 as a whole, is going to be difficult to navigate. There's just a lot of studs at, at the top. But I think Louis Hayes is an AA contender. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, it's a weight class where you have your, your real big studs at top tier guys. And then after you get out of the top 10, there's a lot of guys that could, you know, win two or three matches at nationals and, yep. you know, sneak into that seventh, eighth spot. He's definitely a guy capable of that. Um, I think uh, another year of him growing into 33 is going to be good. Uh, he probably was kind of a tweener that year when he moved up or, mm-hmm. you know, he was, he was cutting and had to move up. Uh, he's built really kind of big through his legs and hips, uh, his lower half pretty solid. So, um, yeah, but I, I think he's going to have a good uh, senior year. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I drafted, him in, drafted him in one dynasty league. So I, <laughs> I'm hoping for the best yeah. for this season at least. Um, looking at 41, Brian Courtney, last year 22 and 15 almost a 25% bonus rate. He was number 20, 29 in fantasy points at 141 last year. Average draft position of 138.5. So probably around 138, 39, 40, something like that. I honestly, I kind of felt like I was expecting more from, from Courtney mm-hmm. last year. I don't, I don't know why I, I'm not one, I, I'm not big in, in going from like watching high school, following high school too much. I can barely follow NCAA division one, but I don't know. For some reason, I thought Courtney had a lot more kind of hype behind him, if that makes sense. Yeah. I know he had a lot of success in Pennsylvania and then uh, his redshirt year was pretty strong. I remember uh, his redshirt freshman year. I wrote an article at the beginning of the year about him being a guy that uh, you probably didn't expect, uh, you know, come out and take the world by storm, but you know, he's, he's going to be a, uh, kind of a breakout type guy. And I think he had injuries that year. And then last year, you know, had a solid enough year, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, he's one that I thought um, I thought was going to have a breakout uh, two seasons ago. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe it comes here. Right. And behind him is going to be Nick Coy, who last year was 18 and nine. Um, his brother, um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, he was in Cameron was, was injured, I think last year or the beginning of this year or something like that. And he's another one that I kind of put a lot of expectation on, but we'll get to him at, at some point. Um, where do you think Nick Coy goes from here? Do you think he's going to stay at 41? Do you think he tries to go up at Denton Spencer at some point at 49? I think 41 is probably a good weight class for him. Um, you know, with, Courtney had a good year. He didn't set the world on fire and, Hmm. you know, Coy had uh, decent enough results. So, you know, I don't see why he wouldn't want to, you know, try for that spot at 41, you know, provided his body still lets him. 
Right. And I mean, either one of those guys, definitely. I, you almost want to say if whoever is not the starter, you might want to try to pick up because those guys, like, like we say, they're going to be going to the Southeast. So, well, Virginia, Virginia Tech usually do send their guys to the Southeast Open, formerly Hokie Open. But you also see them at, you know, Matt Town Open or mm-hmm. um, I was going to say Keystone Classic, but I think that's – no, they send, they send backups there too. Um, so I, I know they went last year to the Keystone Classic. You see guys there um, as backups where you can have a lot of success. You know, if you're starter caliber and you're unfortunately a backup, those guys you want to try to cherry pick. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, why not? I mean, that is good for a couple points here and there. Right, yeah. But we were just talking about uh, Denton Spencer. Um, last year, very successful season, 24 and 10, almost 50% bonus rate. I think it was mm-hmm. just under uh, 47%. And he was number 14 at 149. Um, Denton Spencer... I had him for a little bit. I, I had dropped him a couple times during the week. Um, Cause he, he wasn't one of those big names. A lot, a mm-hmm. lot of people last season in the first inaugural uh, Russell stat season, they went with all the big names, you know, Mark Hall, Spencer Lee, uh, Kemmer, things like that. But it's these little guys that are maybe lesser known that you really get your points from. And then Spencer, Again, whenever you can get close to 50% bonus, that's a guy you want to have on your team. Yeah, and I think through the early going in the season, um, he was among the leaders in pins. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he definitely was capable of doing something like that. Um, he was from Gardner-Webb transfer. So I'd imagine another year in a bigger program, wrestling room, Virginia, you know, University of Virginia, then uh, – yeah, I don't see why he's not going to improve a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I like to add is, um, you know, a lot of guys, like you said, they always want to go for the, the big name guys that are in the Big Ten or the Oklahoma State guys or whatever. But, you know, th- those guys don't always wrestle every match. You know, they, they sit mm-hmm. out tournaments. They sit out dual meets. You know, they rest. Um, when you get a guy, a, good, a really good guy from a program like Virginia, they're going to wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know, Denton Spencer had, what, 35 matches last year? Yeah. So, I mean, that's big because if you get somebody like Spencer Lee, yeah, Spencer Lee's great at NCAAs, but he also only wrestles, you know, a third of the time. So, you know, you got to get guys that are going to wrestle for you. Right. And, and we're, we're assuming that this is going to be a season that starts on November 1st and ends in mid March. Chances are from what I'm hearing, maybe not so much, but who knows, but let's have some optimism. We're just going to assume (laughs) this is a, a full season. And uh, kind of going off what uh, Todd was saying, two years ago, um, I had the, well, let's say three years ago, I had a team that was very heavy on Big Ten guys. I had a guy like Dylan Lighty from Purdue, Mm -hmm. who at that time, I don't know, let's say he was sixth or seventh in the Big Ten. He ended up making the round of 12, but on a daily basis, he was losing a lot of matches, Mm -hmm. you know, being, you know, seventh in the Big Ten. So, um, going into the 2019 season, I, I was like, all right, I am trying to pick as l- minimal Big Ten guys unless it's like a national champion. So <laughs> I, I loaded up on ACC, MAC, all these other ones, and it didn't really work out as well as I hoped. <laughs> so last year I kind of went back to just best whoever, you know, 
Best well, we'll, we'll consider that a punt year. You know, yeah. just, <laughs> you want to give someone else the winning ways sometimes. Yeah. Let them feel good about themselves. Yeah. I, I, ended up, <laughs> I ended up actually doing well, but, you know, I didn't really – I don't think I really had any high finishers, I don't think. Oh, you're a perfectionist. Okay, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Second's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, 157. What do you think about Justin Phillips and Justin McCoy, the two Justins? on the team is this kind of a, a wrestle off spot between those two or do you see someone like patrick evans coming in and maybe sneaking in or or maybe somebody else from a lower weight or, or upper weight coming down i still think it's justin mccoy's weight you know he he has a great pedigree out of pennsylvania um he had some wins like i think i think he beat jacory teamer earlier in the year or yep. uh, will luan from michigan um, I think he beat him. He was beating him, and maybe he defaulted out of the match. Um, so I, I think he's going to be the guy. Um, 57 is a really young weight, so you're not going to get a lot of guys that are graduating, and then you just move up. You know, he's kind of going to be slotted in at least at the beginning of the year, kind of wherever he finished it. So I don't know if there's a, that much room for growth nationally. Mm-hmm. I um. I've watched Justin McCoy wrestle um, in high school, and um, I think he's a guy that's going to jump levels. I think, yeah. I think this year, you know, he's eighteen and thirteen last year. I could definitely see, you know, twenty-five and seven or something this year. I think he's a guy that he just has so much potential. He has a lot of ability. I think he's going to jump levels between his freshman and sophomore year. I'm trying to think in the in the ACC, who's at fifty-seven right now? Um, so you're going to have Connor Brady, I guess, from Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, North Carolina will probably have. Because I think Josh McClure, maybe. Okay. Yeah. AC AC Headley was was there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He yeah. graduated. Yeah. And then uh, Hydley from North Carolina, NC State. Mm, that's right. How could I forget? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> this beer is uh, already hitting me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Uh, I could see him maybe making the finals if he's on the right side. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you're if you're in the ACC, you want to be opposite of of Hydley. Yeah, <laughs> basically yeah. is what it falls down to. Um, let me get my stuff here. So going to sixty five, we were talking about Cam Coy before. He's going to be the starter for the Cavaliers, but as a fantasy option, I don't really see him long term. I I don't know if I'm drafting him right out the bat. He he's roughly a 500 career guy right now mm-hmm. and I, what i was saying on the last podcast with, when we had um kevin Clonch on the thing i like about fantasy wrestling as opposed to like football or or um even basketball or something like that each every wrestler is going to have their moment their time when they could be called in and have their day where they're more important than the starter or or something like that it's, it's all about matchups and and when the stars and, and moon align, you know, um, Cam Coy can definitely be that he's shown in the past that he can be a, a top tier wrestler, but right now I don't know if I'm, I'm drafting him in any of those 15 rounds. Yeah, I, I would agree. And um, I think he missed most of last year with injury. And then, you know, even during the regular season when he was in there, you know, he, he didn't have, results that would lead you to you know want to draft him yeah, he, he, had, he had a good showing at the ACC tournament made nationals but yeah yeah I would agree with that yeah Todd any comment 
Um, and yeah, another guy I've watched, you know, out of with Penn Trafford, I think high school, um, Whippeal wrestler, um, very limited on his feet. I think that's where he, he's going to struggle in college. He's, he's very good on top, um, but he is very limited as far as scoring on his feet, getting it to his offense, um, kind of like a taller, lankier guy. So I don't know if like he's having trouble, you know, getting a better stance, but I I remember watching him in high school and thinking like, yeah, he, he really struggles on neutral. And if you're struggling in neutral, you know, it's good to be good on top, obviously in college wrestling, but you gotta be able to get those takedowns to, to get on top. And I think that's where he needs to improve. Mm -hmm. Well, he's a junior, so he'll have the next two years, hopefully the, again, depending on coronavirus. Um, but 74, I kind of want to skip just because I, I don't know. That's a toss up. That's something that we're, I'm not sure what Virginia is going to do necessarily in the sense of they're, they're three guys that come back are all sophomores and Robert Patrick, he was 10 and three last year, but I don't know. It, it didn't, it's not doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, is Vic Marcelli one of the uh, guys in there as well? Yes. He yeah, was he 13 and 16 last season. Yeah, he he's one. He had a great uh, junior world team trials uh, last spring after redshirting. He had a real strong redshirt season, so I, I kind of thought he was going to sneak up and have a, a big year last year, um, but that really didn't materialize. Yeah, uh, and looking back at at Robert Patrick's uh, last season, um, he had a win over. Appalachian State's Thomas, Thomas Flitz, who was a, a fantasy force in his, in his own going 30 and 11. But other than that, I didn't see really anyone else. He lost to Julian Ramirez, who was wrestling for Finger Lakes. Uh, he lost to Phillips uh, Spatafora from Maryland. So, I, I mean, those redshirt seasons can be tough too because you're wrestling a lot of backups and things like that. You want to see D1 competition. You want to see high-level D1 competition because – you know, if you beat 15 non-D1 guys, one, that's not helping you in fantasy because they only count D1 uh, at this point. Who knows? The Russell stat changes, you know, some things like that. But um, you want you kind of want to judge apples and apples, <laughs> you know. Um, so we'll, we'll see. It, it could be that maybe he jumps onto the scene and he starts out 10-0 and 0, and everyone is going to the waiver wire trying to pick him up, the transfer portal to pick him up. And moving on to 84, uh, we have Michael Batista and Drew Peck. Drew Peck last year, I don't believe he was the starter, was he? No, I know Batista was the main starter. Yeah, Drew Peck last year, 19-7, and seven, uh, and was a top fantasy wrestler at, at 184, too. I think he was the number 22 in fantasy points last season. Is there a chance he can possibly break into the lineup, or does Batista kind of have his number? No, I, th I think that's definitely a wrestle off to watch, um, you know, see, see the first week or two who gets the nod in the first dual meets and kind of go from there. Uh, you know, Batista's one, I don't know, for one time or another, uh, I feel like I've, I've thought he was going to come around and, uh, you know, make an impact last year. So, you know, whoever wins out of those two um, could be someone to keep an eye on. And even the backup, like we were saying uh, before, I think with, um, was it Courtney we were talking about, 
whoever loses there could be just as valuable. You saw Drew Peck not being the starter. He went 19 and seven, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So definitely either one of those guys, I think is a good guy to keep on your short list. And if you're looking for a 184 starter, or maybe a, uh, a flex play, one of those guys maybe during the tournament is a great pickup. And 197, probably the Cavaliers' best wrestler, I would go out on a limb and say, <laughs> is going to be J.I.L.O., uh, 24, or I'm sorry, 27 and four last season, number six in fantasy points at 197. Really made a statement at, was it Midlands, where he beat Warner? Yep. Yeah, um, he's, he's a good story because he was a big-time football player, state defensive player of the year. Mm. Um, so – he, he was kind of raw when he came to Virginia. And uh, if, if you look at his red shirt record, his record is freshman season. Um, I was pretty far below 500, I think. Yeah. And uh, then he just jumped out as a sophomore. And I think he was fourth at uh, Cliff Keen and really kind of took off from there. So he's gotten not even like incrementally or gradually better each year. He's made, you know, big leaps. So he's gone parabolic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, with, you know, with Colin Moore out of the picture, you know, you still have Noah Adams who was undefeated. Um, Your dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, you have him at the top of the weight class, but I still think it's going to be kind of wide open. So, you know, why not JIL? Yeah. And I, I think 97 is a lot like what 80, 97 this year is going to be what 84 was last year and probably what 84 is going to be this year too. There's a lot of parody. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to want to be the number one guy because they're going to lose. And then the next guy's going to be number one. And then they're going to lose at some point too. Um, I think 97 with Colin Moore leaving, unfortunately not getting the chance to solidify his number one standing last year. Um I think 97 is going to be the same way. I think you're going to have guys like now everybody was doubting Noah Adams every season. This is the week Mm -hmm. that he's going to lose. This is the week he's going to lose. And he just kept winning and winning and winning, but you're, he could potentially take a loss. Uh, You have Eric Schultz, you have Ben Darmstadt, you have Jiello. you're going to have Uh, Warner back. Brucky, from what I understand, actually on your quarant interview, uh, he's going to be taking a a red shirt, I believe, or a gray shirt. Yep. excuse me um for i i think they just a rehab kind of get yeah get healthy. yeah i guess if you if you looked at him towards the end of the year there are a lot of results that didn't seem to make sense and, oh i know oh. i have <laughs> yeah me, me too <laughs> me too i i thought i was getting a national champion um or at least you know finalist but that's uh, what i thought i thought if anyone could go with colin moore it's going to be someone like connell who could go upper body and go very strong against them so, uh <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so he's he's apparently not going to enroll and now with the uh, ivy league not wrestling until you know january 1st at right yeah you know, best case scenario that seems like a good idea and you know also in that same interview joe dubuque mentioned you know maybe pat glory um yep. they're kind of on the fence about him and that was before that decision came out so yeah, i don't know if that kind of pushes their hand a little bit too. And just to sidetrack a little bit, um, Todd and I were talking right before you got on the call um, of, you know, given that I think just before we, we started this, the NCAA came out with a chart that kind of said, look, here's Corona 
virus um, cases in the U.S., here's X marks the spot of where we were going to implement the return the sports. Here's the trajectory line going down at like a 45 degree angle of where we thought we were going to be by now. And here all the way at the top axis is where we actually are. So if you are a team like Penn state or Iowa or Virginia tech or any of these big or Cornell, maybe not so much because they're Ivy league and Princeton Ivy league, but do you try to redshirt or Olympic redshirt if they they're able to everyone you can this, this coming season, just because of uncertainty, or do you just kind of push all your chips in and say, well, let's, let's roll the dice. Um, especially if, you know, you got burned this year. Yeah. I would be very hesitant and I would, I would want to redshirt as, as much as I possibly could. Um, and as far as the Olympic red shirts go, you know, last year, it was always my opinion that, you know, if it's best for the wrestler, you should keep them in Olympic red shirt and mm-hmm. let them take it, you know, regardless of what the, the team situation is. But that was just my opinion. And I think, I, I think we talked about it last one too. Nothing's really changed with the criteria for Olympic, uh, applying for an Olympic quote unquote Olympic red shirt. So I, I know it's a kind of agreement between USA wrestling and, and NCAA with that, but nothing's really changed. It's literally been, you know, just a couple months. So I would assume whoever, if they're going to allow it, whoever qualified for it can take it again. Cause we, I think we were joking that Stevon Meaches could be a three time Olympic red shirt <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. I, I talked to uh, Sean Bormet for a, one of those quarantine interviews probably a month and a half ago now. And I was kind of trying to fish around and see, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what I could get out of that. And at that point, he said there was no, you know, official criteria, you know, set out and, mm. uh, you know, no decision on whether these guys could take two of them back to back. I haven't heard anything since then. So I assume that nothing has come out, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see why they couldn't. Yeah. I, I mean, literally nothing's changed. It, yeah. it was out of their hands kind of. And, but I mean, if you're Stavon it's I don't think you're going for your, your, your medical, you know, uh, degree or anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I, he, he probably wants to graduate <laughs> as soon I, as possible. I would think so. <laughs> um, I think he's getting ready to retire, isn't he? <laughs> probably, he's he's getting, he's he's getting up there in spot. Tanner Hall age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's going to collect social security soon. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I always think it was funny that uh, Tanner Hall and Nick Wazdowski were like the two best big men coming out of the <laughs> high school in the same year. And one just graduated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Um, well, let's finish up Virginia. Um, that, that was Tangent Time brought to you by Levante Brewing Company. Um, Quinn Miller is going to be your heavyweight probably for the Cavaliers last year 19 and 7 he had at one point he had something close to like 60% bonus rate it, it dropped a little bit he ended with like a 50% bonus rate but he was number 17 he wasn't one of those names that was really being talked about in circles when you're talking about national contenders or even AAs necessarily but for me for fantasy he was a guy i kept looking at cuz nobody nobody was picking him up Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was one that I had my eye on, a uh, guy out of Georgia that I don't think too many people knew about, you know, pre-college, and he's really developed nicely. So 
uh, you know, once again, he's another guy I could see taking another step this year. Um, you know, heavyweight is uh, still got a ton of young talent. So yep. it's going to be kind of hard to break through and, you know, get onto that podium. But, you know, who knows? He is a, a young guy that I feel like is kind of raw and could improve more. Yeah. And I mean, especially if they do what we were kind of talking, like a lot of people redshirt and they're able to Olympic redshirt. If you get someone like Paris taking a redshirt and um, Gable Stevenson taking Olympic or mm-hmm. um, Kirklevit gain taking his redshirt or Olympic that he still has, or if he decides to transfer again to somewhere else, <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it is a very deep weight, but if all those guys kind of, go off to the sides with their, mm-hmm. their shirts. That's kind of an opening of, of Quinn Miller to yeah. be a, a contender for AA, I would say. Yeah. Not to rhyme too much, but um, I, all in all, I think Virginia has got a good team. I don't know if it's as good as last year, because again, losing Jack Mueller is a huge piece of the pie. You know, that, that was a guaranteed almost five or six points every match. I, <laughs> It was definitely bonus. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, so to try to get those points at NCAAs next year is going to be tough. You're going to have three, four guys that need to kind of equal his points, I would think, <laughs> from what, what he was going to get. Um, yeah. But all in all, I, I have high expectations for Virginia. I, I think they're doing a great job. They, they didn't have the greatest of recruiting classes. I know from Matt Scouts, they weren't listed. What about on the open mat? How was their recruiting class for you? Yeah, they weren't listed. Um, you know, I talked to – Garland and the Paulsons after that and they really felt like they were kind of underranked and you know uh they all do yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, that, that's the thing I, I like talking about recruiting because you know everybody's high on their recruits uh, you know mm-hmm. and you know then some of it's lip service because you know a coach isn't going to say well I really love that guy that I couldn't sign and yeah you know, he was the one that got away so but yeah I think I think it's a good recruiting class I think that like we were talking about earlier, the uh, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, uh, NC State, you know, they hit, you know, they, they all brought in some some really good recruiting classes. So it does kind of mm-hmm. overshadow Virginia. If you had to look at their incoming class, uh, do you think any make an immediate impact or, or potential starting spot? Obviously, we can't predict mm-hmm. injuries or anything like that. We kind of went over who we most likely who's going to be starting, but if anyone's going to push a starter, which, which true freshman do you think maybe has that chance? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if any of those guys necessarily do in year one. Okay. I, I think maybe. And that's fine. Road, yeah. Yeah. And generally they kind of have a veteran lineup, for, you know, for the most part, they do have a lot of returning starters. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's, it's kind of hard to come in and, unseat a guy um you know especially from a coaching standpoint if you have a let's say a cam coy who's qualified for nationals twice you know you're probably going to give him the nod unless that freshman you know is just setting the world on fire right so i i I have high expectations for virginia not high but like I expect them to do very well, especially at ACCs. I think they'll be competitive yeah, throughout sure. the season. But the team that I think is going to be vying for the number one in the ACC, I think it's a, it's almost a three-team race with Virginia Tech, Pitt, mm-hmm. and uh, and NC State. Um, and 
Yeah, don't, don't don't leave out North Carolina. You're gonna get you're gonna get, you're gonna get Tony Ramos coming to see you. <laughs> Tony Ramos will get, come for me. Coleman Scott's gonna come for Todd because he know because Todd's brother coaches for uh, uh, Waynesburg um, Central. Okay. So um, yeah, they he has a direct pipeline to him. Uh, um, yeah. I think Coleman still has my phone number. So <laughs> he'll be getting a text after we post this. Todd, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and unfortunately, you know Duke isn't there right now. I, I'm amazed that they are that competitive without any scholarships. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they do a fantastic job. They get, I don't know, maybe the lowest amount of fine silvers back in one year <laughs> on their team next season. Yeah. Um, but they're still going to be very competitive. You get Eaglin back and, and I think two fine silvers. Yeah. And so even if they're your, your last place team in the ACC, that's still better than some teams in big 12 and maybe even Big Ten, it just depends on a bad day. You know, Duke could probably overtake them. Um, but Virginia Tech, I think, is going to be one of those top teams in all of NCAA. Um, I felt bad last year that they didn't get a chance to try to get a trophy. I don't know if they were going to be in contention for a trophy last year. This coming year, uh, if it's a November to, the, to March season, it's going to be tough. It, it's a very – very competitive team race, I think, this year, um, one through four. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really going to be kind of up to, you know, what we were talking about, about red shirts and, um, you know, because Michigan has all these guys that they could, I guess, mm-hmm. red shirt again. But if those guys are in the starting lineup, you know, Amin, Michich, you know, those are two maybe national champions right there. Uh, you know, Cornell has all those young guys that are coming out. So, mm-hmm. um you know, and uh, could Yanni, you know, what's Yanni do? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we especially with Flo throwing out um, their reckless speculation of why not real woods to Michigan and just upset the car yeah. <laughs> there with, with Stanford. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard anything like that. Uh, I, I think he's in the portal, but I don't know if that's really a school he's considering. I think that somebody, I forget who said that that was one of the teams he's considering, but. I don't know. You have Joey Silva there. You have two Mattins. So, yeah, you got uh, I two incoming freshmen are from Montini. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess you have a little bit of a connection there. Um, you had Joey Silva, and they had that crazy match at the Iron Man where yeah. <laughs> his shoot came off a couple times. So that'd be fun to have those two together. That got hit. I think Willie was there for yeah. for that match. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all right, enough of tangent time again. Uh, Virginia Tech, eleven and three last season in, in twenty twenty. Key graduates. I have one forty one Don Latona, who was four and zero last year, and David McFadden, who at the end of the season, he's usually one of those guys who was the model of consistency. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the season, just I don't know why it was just Kennedy Monday was his kryptonite. He just couldn't get past that, and and he was going to be. Virginia Tech's first four-time AA. I think that's right. right. Um, And unfortunately, he didn't get the chance to actually prove it on on the mat. I had no doubt that he would be one, but when you kind of sputter into the postseason like that with a couple losses, you start questioning, "Uh, I don't don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I'm glad to have him at the PRTC. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean they're they're doing crazy crazy things man uh, yep it's funny i talked to brian pierce about a month ago and uh 
it just so happened the next day the Mark Hall news came out. So I was like, man. Come on, you had it. (laughs) (laughs) See, you were so frustrated. We're having technical difficulties now because uh, Earl was so frustrated Uh, that he threw off his headgear. Yeah, I got a a little too animated right there. That's like a team point deduction or something. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, the, uh, Penn RTC, another tangent, Penn RTC landing, basically getting the, uh, the verbal commitment <laughs> to, to uh, Pennsylvania RTC. That's fantastic. That's mm-hmm. in the past, what, several months that they've gotten Mark Hall, David McFadden, Joey McKenna, and, and now um, Burroughs. Burroughs. Jeez. <laughs> Again, the beer. Um, and then James Green going to the Southeast Regional Training Center. And uh, I think just today it came out that Helen Marulis is going to be going to the um, uh, mid, uh, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the DMV. Yeah. What, what does that stand for? District Maryland and Virginia. Okay. It, it has a bad connotation in my mind yeah. when I hear DMV. <laughs> it means I'm going to have to bring a book. I'm going to have to sit around <laughs> a little bit. Um, but, okay, we're going to talk about Virginia Tech. <laughs> we got to talk about Virginia uh, so 25, Sam Latona, who probably got the most attention after the was it or was it not a takedown against Nick Piccinini during the Southern Scuffle. Um, actually, had that was one of his two losses last year in his redshirt mm-hmm. season. 32% bonus rate. He was number 14 in all of 125 last season. Comes in 20 and 2. He's got to be the starter this year and what i thought it kind of threw me at first was corbin myers who russell set has listed at 133 got his sixth year of eligibility so he's definitely looking for a starting spot he wouldn't come back for a sixth year just to sit on the bench so i'm assuming myers is going up latona's going to anchor 125 yeah that's that's what i would think i know myers wrestled uh 33 for i think two seasons for Edinburgh mm-hmm. and then went down to 25 for tech for a year. So I think 33 is probably his best weight. Um, and you know, that seems to work out best for the team um, in our fantasy league. You know, I'm sure you guys have these guys uh, where, you know, Latona was at one or it's like, okay, my turn. Yep. <laughs> I got him. He's, he's around my next turn. I'm taking him. And uh, I don't remember who took him, but you know, that was one where I was not happy when he was off the board because yeah. I, I really think he's one that, um, you know, he's going to move up fast and I think he's going to challenge for uh, all American honors year one. Yeah. I, I mean, 25 as a whole. And again, it all depends. <laughs> you always have to put the little asterisk. Uh, of yeah. course, there are going to be the redshirts again, uh, not going with just a regular season, no Corona. It does kind of even out a little bit at 25 um i don't think it's as compact as it was last season because you you lost at 25 um well sebastian rivera was 133 i'm trying to think the graduates uh, uh, mueller and piccinini were the big ones right right yeah so i mean with those two guys leaving last year i thought there was a clear eight and that was before Rayvon Foley took a, a red shirt or it was known that he was taking a red shirt. Um, now I think there's a clear, maybe six and mm-hmm. those two last spots are yeah. up for grabs for the rest of the NCAA. 
And I, I think you're right. I think Latona does have a good shot of being uh, at least a low or, or mid kind of A. It just depends if you get hot at the right moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, and it's okay. going to be a great uh, you know, weight class you know, for a couple of years if he's there when you have Jacob Camacho from NC State who beat uh, Mueller in the ACC finals as a yep. freshman. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to have plenty of clashes. Yeah. And then Corbin Myers, what do you think he's going to do next season? Do you think he reverts back to his winning ways? Or do you think it may be from the injury, maybe it's going to be kind of slow going at first? Yeah, I mean, I could see um, two years ago, uh, Tech had a couple guys that were older, I think fifth or sixth year guys, transfers like Billy Miller or Thomas Slay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think they, they really ease those guys back into the lineup after injury. So um, I could see them, you know, not throwing him in from day one. So, you know, if you are looking for a fantasy guy, he – when it's all said and done, he may be a good option at 133 when we're talking about, you know, ACCs, NCAAs, but, you know, he may not get the call every night in, night out. on your Right. And Joey Prada doesn't – he already uses red shirts, so unfortunately he's not going to be able to, that you know, set a year. He's a senior as well. So I could see, like you said, kind of split time. Yeah. Du yeah. Dual quarterback kind of situation at 33. And then Ventresca – I think it's, it sets up perfectly for next year. Ventresca comes in that 33 spot. You have Latona as your 25. It, it just works. You love it when a plan comes together <laughs> like that. Yeah. So uh, Ventresca, what, what do you think about his impact right away? Do you think he's going to be able to compete with the 33s in the NCAA or it's going to be kind of a learning curve for him? Um, I think he's going to come in and uh, have some decent results. Um, he had, he was, um, I'm trying to think whether this is last year or this year. I think he had one of the toughest weight classes probably in the country on the high school level. Um, I think it was last year in New Jersey. Um, and he was a state champion the year before. So, um, you know, I also, I, when I talked to Roby, um, a bunch of their incoming freshmen, uh, aside from Katka, of course, mm -hmm. um, kind of had uh, not the results they wanted at the state tournament. So, I could see these guys being kind of hungry, uh, you know, coming in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder with uh, something to prove, especially since they haven't really had any competition since the state tournament, you know, um, you might be ready to go right out the chute and uh, you know, beating some good D1 wrestlers. And John Foster was the guy that got Sam Latona. It's his only uh, 125 pounders, the incredible uh, bulks. Yeah, so. yeah, there you go. <laughs> so he de definitely needs a, a backup 25 pounder. So get your trade bait ready. Um, and then uh, going up to 41, Colin Girardi is there. I think he was a starter last year. Um, he was a national qualifier, but he was only 14 and 11. So it was almost a hit or miss kind of season for him. 16% um, bonus rate. I think he's a starter again. I don't see anyone that's really going to, Maybe Jack Darling, he had the best second results at, at that weight for the Hokies. Um, but Sam Hillegas, Russell Stat has listed at 41. I think he – didn't he wrestle like 45 or, or something like that in, in high school? He wrestled about 38 this year. Oh, he wrestled 38? Okay, I'm way off. Um, so do you think he can maintain the 41 weight class, or do you think he, he tries to go up? Uh, who's that, Hillegas? Hillegas, yeah. Yeah, I think 
I think he's a 41. Um, you know, Virginia Tech's been a, a team where, you know, if you're the guy, you're a true freshman, you're good, they're going to give you the shot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we saw they brought out Andonian in the middle of the year last year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I could see Girardi kind of getting that first shot. But, you know, if uh, Hillegas is tearing up the, the Hokie Open uh, or the Southeast Open or, you know, a couple of these open tournaments early on, you know, maybe they do go to him. Yeah, especially if they think they have a chance at a trophy. I could see them yeah. interjecting Hillegas into the lineup saying, hey, this might put us, in, you know, into the top four in the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a double-edged sword for a fantasy owner if you have a roster battle because it, one thing it means is you might see a lot of tournaments and both of them are entered. So even though, you know, that you might have a duel with, say, Appalachian State where Virginia Tech feels that they're, they can win without their 141 regular starter. So they send them to a tour, an open tournament or something. Also, it's the other edge of you might get a flip-flop starting lineup every season you have no idea because wrestling is very secretive. They don't tell you who's going to a tournament. They don't tell you who's going to, you know, I think Iowa said that uh, Jacob Warner had jet lag for about four months and that's why he wasn't starting his freshman year (laughs) or something, you know, and, and like I always say, just because a a wrestler is entered into a tournament doesn't mean that he's going to be participating in a, in a tournament. Too many Mm -hmm. times I've woken up at eight o'clock in the morning to see that, you know, Makai Lewis is not in the roster. Well, it's son of a gun. And now I have to go and try to flip him out for, for somebody else. Um, even though he's been listed there since Monday. Yep. Um, so it's a double-edged sword. If it's going to be a roster battle, hopefully, you know, it gets resolved quickly. But I think, I think Todd's right. I think Hillegas, if he, Hillegas, how, whatever. Hillegas. If he is showing promise at the beginning, bonus points he's the number 44 recruit from from William Matt Scouts um if he's showing head and shoulders above Girardi he might get the start mm-hmm. right out the yeah. bat yep. and you were just talking about Andonian at 149 he did come in he had a couple good close batches with uh O'Connor last year um he was a pinning machine too if I remember correctly and he was number 12 in fantasy points at 149 actually had two top 50 wrestlers for the Hokies and Jake Hart being number 49 and uh, Andonian is number 12. Yeah. Andonian. um, He's one I could see taking a big leap this year. He had a couple uh, losses that I wouldn't have expected out of him. I could see a little more consistency um, with another year under his belt. Um, You know, another, another guy that can make a leap. Um, Yeah. For sure, and you know, if they are in that trophy contention, it's it's because he's you know, pushing for a spot on the podium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at his record here. So, lost to John Milner, who was a fantasy force in his own right at at uh, Appalachian State. Um, he had a loss to Josh Fine Silver at the Patriot Open. Uh, Hunter Rick is it Rickard or Richard from Cornell? I think it's Richard, but don't quote me on that. I don't know. I, apo- <laughs> yeah. I should put a little thing at the beginning. I apologize because I will butcher your name. <laughs> um, and uh, and Austin O'Connor. Um, and who else? Keenan Carter from the now RIP Old Dominion program. Um, for uh, I, If you didn't see, I'm drinking out my Matt Talk uh, mug here. So 
support you, Jason. <laughs> I thought I might have it here. Actually, you know what I have for, for Jason right here is uh, the bison turf because uh, we should be in Fargo right now. Right, yeah. I, I've never traveled to any of those tournaments. I've just started going to nationals as of – Todd, when did I go with you guys? I think New York was the first yeah, one I, I went York. to. Um, I've, I've only been to a couple matches. I need to start getting out. Back when when this is all over and I can fly and we actually have matches, I need to go to Carver Hawkeye. I need to go to Fargo. I need to go to all these different landmarks in the wrestling uh, uh, you know, world and everything and, and try the turf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this is only – actually, I've been to Fargo now twice where um, – you know, before I was working full-time at the open mat, I did a lot of stuff on my own uh, and I really couldn't justify to uh, the boss here uh, going to Fargo <laughs> for, you know, I don't know, a week and a half. Oh, I got that thing I got to go do. To yeah, know, but... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, but th that'll, that'll test your endurance as far as uh, sitting in the Fargo dome for, I don't know, 14 hours. <sighs> Than going to the, the turf and Buffalo Wild Wings and curtain uh, horns and uh, then getting up and doing it nine more times or however many days it is out there. You lose track. You, you definitely can't. So what you're saying is you definitely can't stick to a diet unless that diet involves a lot of fried food. No, yeah, no. And, and, uh, the, the Fargo Dome has these, uh, God, what are they, like these, uh, these nuts with uh, cinnamon on them that they they sell. So mm -hmm. as soon as you walk in there, you're just wafted with this <laughs> this cinnamon smell, and it's uh, they're fantastic. Now after you know a day or two of them, it's like all right, that's that's enough. <laughs> it's you you go in, you like it. You're like, oh my god, I, I can't yeah. believe it. I get to smell that again. Two days in, Jesus Christ, I can't yeah. smell these things anymore. You leave. Next season comes around. You smell, oh my God, I miss this smell. It, it's a vicious circle. <laughs> and, and, then, and then it's fun just because, uh, you know, the whole town kind of uh, gets into it. So, you know, every Uber I had, they're, you know, asking what's going on with the wrestling, who, you oh, know, cool. who are you supporting? Even a couple of times they've asked me if I'm wrestling, which. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you yeah, very I'm, much. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a high school age kid. <laughs> with a full beard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, getting back on track again, uh, 157 WrestleSat only has Connor Brady listed freshman nine and two last season as their 57 pounder. Do you see anybody else being a backup there or vying for the 57 spot? No, not really. You know, hopefully he's the guy for them. You know, he was a, a pretty big recruit out of Ohio. I think he was probably one of the better kids without a state title, um, through those uh, that year 2019, I think he may have lost a Karchla one year at states, and maybe David Carr another year. So I would consider those acceptable losses. Yeah, decent <laughs> weight classes, um, but yeah, uh, I expect him to jump in and do well right away for them. Mm -hmm. And then it gets interesting at 65, and I, and the only reason I say that is because I have no substantiated evidence for this, but. Could Lewis stay at 65, or is he going to move up to 74? I know he's not going to take an Olympic if it's available. I think I think um, they've already kind of poo-pooed that idea, but I I don't know. He looks big to begin with. I don't. Mm -hmm. He looks like a 74 pounder. 
I don't know how he could make 65. He, I, I don't know how he made 65 against uh, when he won a national title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Roby told me, you know, this year it's not really a big deal, and he's a 65. Um, he oh, okay. said that at some point he does see him going to 74, but, you know, not this year. Now, I think this is something to kind of pay attention to in the preseason or, you know, whatever, just across the country. I think we're going to see a lot of guys moving weight classes more so than normal with all this mm-hmm. time out of the wrestling room, kind of away from the watchful eye of their coaches. So, right. Uh, you know, maybe he's a guy, maybe, you know, guys and we're not thinking. And I, I mean, obviously being a returning national champ, he could pick if he wanted to go 74, he would be the starter most likely there. If he goes 65, he's definitely the starter there. I guess he's kind of like the, you know how Mark Hall's kind of seen as like a tweener when it comes to international Mm -hmm. weights. A lot of people, I I think on the BWI um, message board or maybe the open mat message board, you don't try to go on there too much. It's not good for your health, but, (laughs) but, um, or Hawkeye report, all the main ones. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say though, the inside tech, uh, one is pretty nice. They're all yeah. very happy. A lot of exclamation yeah, points in, in happiness. Um, but they, Mark Hall was kind of always seen as like, I don't see how he's making 74. He looks, or, or 65, was he? No, he was always 74. They always said he was like kind of small. They're like, no, he actually does have to lose weight to, mm-hmm. to make that. Or it's not a huge issue, but he doesn't need to make, lose weight. I guess I, my perception's off. Usually I'm pretty good at volume. <laughs> you know, you know, he, he's one um i had uh, one of my friends with me at the big 10 tournament and uh you know we walked by him we're standing next to him and that was always one thing i always thought he was kind of small for the weight but mm-hmm. you know standing there right next to him you know he was pretty thick and um you know seemed like a good sized guy for 74 but yeah it didn't translate that way on tv <laughs> and i wish i could say that i you know we were on the floor for the finals when uh lewis won his his national title i'd like to tell you that i saw how big he was and strong and you know i got a great matchup but those floor seats are shit they're terrible they are oh. the worst seats to ever get no wonder they were only 100 bucks yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, Don't get you, those seats unless you're in the front row. <laughs> yeah. You you only see the back of the guy's head, and then they keep standing up to get seen mm-hmm. on the jumbotron. Oh my god, it was terrible. I just stood like looked up and looked at the jumbotron the whole time. Uh, caution to our yeah. viewers. Um, but then so seventy four is going to be Cody Howard, I would think. I don't know these guys. Ulrey comes in as the number thirty four recruit. Virginia Tech, like you said, they have a history of if you're good enough to start, we're going to start you. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is always spot? Yeah, I wasn't sure. He's kind of went all around weight-wise, so you know, I don't know exactly where they see him. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Howard was at 97 last year with kind of, I don't know, uneven results, I guess you would say. So, yeah, if there's if there's opportunity for a young guy to step in, uh, you know, 74 and 97 would be the weights for Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. um, maybe along with 41. But yeah, yeah, uh, you know, Ulrey's a guy that's he's tough. He's battle tested out of PA Cadet World Team. You know, I I don't see why he couldn't. Right. And then 84, Hunter Bolin returns junior season, had a fantastic season. He was number two. He was, no, he was the, what seed was he at nationals? 
I think he was a two seed. Two seed. I should know this because I had him on my team. At one point, yeah, I me had. Too. <laughs> at one point, I had him, Aaron Brooks, and I think Louis Dupre. I had on my fantasy team. I'm like, oh, I can only start one. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> and then I ended up making a stupid trade, but luckily it worked out for me because the season was canceled. So it. <laughs> um, uh, but Hunter Bowen comes back to basically backups are going to be all true freshmen as Russell stat shows 86 recruit 193rd recruit from Matt scouts. Um, but Hunter Bowen, I think this is his wait for the next two years. Do you think he moves up to 97 at some point? Uh, it's, it's a possibility. Uh, Maybe I not this season. Yeah. But. I don't, I don't see him as a huge 84 pounder. Um, but yeah, you do have all those young guys there and, um, you know, there may be a possibility that one of those guys ends up at 74 as well, uh, one of those incoming freshmen. Because mm-hmm. Stanley Smeltzer is at, at – he's a junior, 13 and 15 last season, had almost a 40% bonus rate uh, for the Hokies at, at 97. But, you know, that – unfortunately, I don't think Smeltzer is going to be going too deep into a national tournament if he qualifies for – the national tournament. So that's kind of why I was asking, do you see maybe one of those true freshmen next year, maybe mm-hmm. stepping in and, and maybe bowling going up or, or if they go through the Oklahoma state type uh, program, uh, maybe Hunter Kack has a 97 pound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, one of uh, a couple of my friends coached uh, one of their incoming freshmen, Sam Fisher, mm-hmm. um, his, his dad actually wrestled at Penn state. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't see him necessarily going up to 97. Uh, he's probably suited for 84. Okay. And we were just talking about Hunter Kako, number six recruit from Matt Scouts. I'm sure he was highly uh, – he was high on your board, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but John Borsch last year, 21-9, and nine, about 27% bonus rate. In his own right, it was – he had a good, solid season, I would say. He wasn't – a guy I would look to draft. He's definitely a guy I would plug and play maybe week in, week out, mm-hmm. um, maybe multiple week holder, but Hunter Kaka is definitely the the guy everyone in Virginia tech fandom is going to be looking at to take over the reins probably next year. Um, now he being that we coach Unionville, we're right next to Sun Valley. Actually, I could probably throw a stone over to Aston and, uh, and hit the high school. Do you think he – the talk has been maybe he's a little bit too small for heavyweight. And that's kind of what the DNA is of heavyweight nowadays, though. It's the lighter guys that are kind of having a lot of success. You, gone are the days of, um, you know, the, the 285 max heavyweight that actually has to lose weight to, <laughs> to make the weight class. Do you think he's a little bit too small for the weight, or do you think a year under his belt he's going to be right there with, with the likes of um, – you know, the, the upper echelon of, of heavyweights. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think he'll be fine. Um, like you said, uh, it's for the most part, heavyweight now is, is dominated by these guys who are more athletic than bulky. Um, you know, Virginia tech, one of their good recent heavyweights is Ty walls. And mm-hmm. he came in and he was kind of a tweener and maybe even a 97 pounder, um, you know, initially, and, you know, look at him now, he's a freaking monster. Yeah. So, you know, a year in their weight room with their staff, you know, I think he'll be fine. Um, you know, Borse, he's a guy that was a 97 pounder that built up into heavyweight, um, you know, 
two years ago, kind of as a freshman, kind of uncertain results. He, he took a step last year. Um, you know, if, if kind of like Todd said at 41, if he's not getting it done, Katka's tearing it up, they're looking at maybe a trophy, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? You know, I, I think probably best redshirting him, but again, you know, if he's tearing it up, then maybe you go with him. Yeah. And I mean, looking at the the lineup, this is my very, very, very uneducated opinion that probably if you have a red shirt to use for Virginia Tech, especially an incoming freshman, uh, a true freshman, I think they're going to stick with them staying on red shirt, even if they're showing more potential than mm-hmm. the actual starter. One, because of the uncertainty. Yeah. But two, they, I think they have enough starters right now and such a young team that they're definitely going to get a top 10 finish. I, I, I would almost guarantee it. I don't want to guarantee anything, but I would guarantee that they're probably top 10. And that way you get one more year out of Corbin Myers, who is a national qualifier and potential AA in his own right. You have all your freshmen get that one year, get accustomed to college and, and get the strength, get used to an NCAA division one room, you know, and then come 2021, they're going to be adding to the very, very competitive landscape for a team trophy. Mm-hmm. I, I have no doubt in my mind that they are going to be one of the top five teams that that is vying for those top four spots. Yeah, I mean, you have, uh, you know, returning national champion with three years of eligibility left. You got Hunter Bolin, you know, top two guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, who knows where he finishes, but, um, you know, he's got two years of eligibility left. You guys – Latona, you know, we seem to have good expectations for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, just with those two guys at 65 and 84, that's going to push you into the top, I don't know, 15-ish, you know, if they wrestle up to their seeds. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I, I like it. I like what Virginia Tech's doing. I like what Roby's doing down there in Blacksburg. And um, that's one of the things I want to go see. I was talking about going to Carver-Hawkeye or whatever. I want to go mm-hmm. to – the um the match that they always have in the arts center i think that's a great idea that that was a huge awesome marketing idea whoever thought of that and then you have missouri trying to do the same thing and they had like confetti paper Mm -hmm. (laughs) on on the the stage or or something like that um like a bad play yeah (laughs) It, it was um but so that that's virginia tech um Ultimately, what if you had to classify the Virginia teams, how would you classify them? Would you say they are right there on the cusp with the likes of Iowa, Penn State, or would you say they're more on the side of um, maybe a, a mid-tier team, how they're, they're looking? As far as Virginia Tech goes, and well, as far as the, the national landscape, you know, you, at least last year, you kind of had Penn State and Iowa. They're on their own little tier. Right. And – I felt like almost anyone else on any given day could beat each other. Like Virginia Tech beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so Virginia Tech's kind of in that next tier of teams where, uh, you know, depending on the matchups, depending on who's hot, you know, they, they could beat any of those teams. Now, this year, if you're talking about tournaments, I think you're going to have Cornell and Michigan up there as well. Um, so, you know, they may be a cut below those guys, but. Um, you know, they're going to be up there. Uh, 
Virginia is um, kind of, you mentioned losing Mueller, that hurts. Uh, mm -hmm. You'd assume uh, ILO should be a high placer. They're going to need, uh, you know, another one or two guys to step up to really make an impact uh, at the NCAA tournament um, as far as, you know, where they belong. You know, they'll probably be a team that's, um, you know, in the top 20, 25, kind of in there, you know, depending on who they match up with, who they beat, they may go a little bit down, they may drop out, come back mm -hmm. in. Um, and then one of the things I love about the ACC tournament is it's, it's a roller coaster, man, because yeah. you, you have, <laughs> you have that few amount of teams, you have one upset and that could just shake the whole balance of the tournament. Yep. And, uh, you know, most of the time what happens is somebody jumps out to a lead after the semis, then that second place team racks up a bunch of uh, pins and stuff coming through the concies. And then, you know, they have a four or five point lead going into the finals. And it's, uh, you know, pretty interesting because, you know, both the top two teams may have four or five guys in the final. So right. it generally is, is really fun to follow. Yeah, I, I love ACC wrestling. I It's, out, like I said, outside of Big Ten, because Big Ten is king. I think it, no matter what your fandom is, you're accepting that Big Ten is the conference. But ACC is just as fun. Just the enthusiasm. I think it was last year with North Carolina and North Carolina State. That dual meet was fantastic. That was fire the entire yeah. time. I, I was down there for that one. That was Were you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that yeah, must've been crazy. That, that was probably one of the, the best ones uh, I've seen in, in person. It was funny because that was uh, for the open mat. That was our match of the week. And, you know, I, I do a, a breakdown beforehand yep. and pick each, you know, winner of each match. And uh, so I walk into the, the venue and Tony Ramos comes up and uh, <laughs> he's like, uh, Hey, just want to tell you, your picks suck. <laughs> uh, I, I obviously picked NC State to win, and, right? Uh, you know, he, he's he's uh, you know I got a good relationship with him. Um, I didn't want to say that. Uh, I think I might have picked every result right. Uh, it, 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 there, there was like maybe one match I was off on. Uh, it, it was almost down to the team score, and usually I'm pretty bad about picking those. Right. That was actually what I picked. And, uh, I actually still haven't said told you so yet. I well, and anytime you bring something up, just go scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that, I mean, it kind of shows where, uh, unfortunately, we, we had the news of like Stanford dropping their program. Who knows if, if the Stave Stanford, um, you know, petition and, and movement is, is going to gain any traction. Unfortunately, I think the, the language in there said, you know, this is kind of clear cut and final. Mm -hmm. is it really we don't know there's always a chance when when it comes to the wrestling community you get enough of us pissed off people are going to hear um but it kind of shows where recruiting and, and um alumni relations and stuff like that can really go with what papalizio has done at nc state he i think he showed like a side-by-side -side, um yeah. photo of like five years difference this is when i first started this is where we were last season and it went from being like 20 people in the stands to standing room only in the, in the, uh, in the gym. So, I mean, ACC is, like I said, coming up, it's, I think the second best conference. And if you add a team like Clemson, you add the Florida schools, you add, I think Willie was saying Georgia tech would be the 
best program to add right now for the ACC, all those Georgia wrestlers. Imagine if Lujan stays at Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. you know, or kind of going outside ACC. You look at Texas having a program, you have Mueller and, and probably Bo Nickel at University of Texas, Austin, two potential national finalists and champions every year. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So I think, Todd, I think it was you telling me that, because um, Todd's a Penn State fan, if people haven't guessed, um, but that Bo Nickel was saying something like, if Texas had a program, I would have stayed in Texas. Yes. Yeah. He, he said that it's, I didn't make that up. It's a quote that's out there. Um, he said, if Texas had a division one wrestling program, he would have wrestled in Texas, but there's not one division pro division one program in the whole state. So he went, you know, to Penn state, obviously I'm glad that there was, you made a pretty good choice. Yeah. Yeah, Kale, Kale's pretty good at wrestling. Yeah. Um, but so that, that's, that's our wrap up of the Virginia programs. Um, we are doing another kind of shtick gimmick thing of three random questions. So I got a little bowl here. All right. Of just three random questions. Uh-oh. Now, I, the questions that we asked Kevin Clunch last week on our first reckless speculation, I put back in. So if I, if we get it again, you can either a- answer them or we can discard it. You know, okay. You can compare. So if we do the first question here, some some there's a couple wrestling ones and there's mostly that are have nothing to do with wrestling so what was the worst punishment you got when you were a kid question number one so this actually wasn't when i was a kid um this was my freshman year of college um (laughs) i uh i had a dodge neon was my car and i had it didn't have a CD player or anything like that. So I had either the little tape that you would stick in there, mm-hmm. a little adapter thing and have yep. my CD, you know, would skip. Um, so uh, I really wanted a CD player. And uh, so after my first semester and uh, my mom saw my report card, uh, <laughs> she showed me the CD player that she had bought and then, uh, you know, returned it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you wanted this? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know she she wasn't you know overly strict but you know that, <laughs> that, so that we'll, we'll, we'll say you got b's and she yeah. was expecting a's right <laughs> we'll say that yeah <laughs> what about you Todd? what was the worst punishment you got when you were a kid oh i um well i'll try, I'll try to make this quick but uh just one time in my life crack over another beer that's fine <laughs> um i was in i was in eighth grade and this was when you had to bring the report card home. They didn't do online or anything, I was, you know, because I'm ancient. So um, <laughs> my report card home was in eighth grade, and I had an F in, um, I think, social studies. And my dad was a very big man. He was a bodybuilder. And I remember my dad just got out of the shower, and he was wringing a washcloth. And he said, let me see your report card. And he saw the F, and he rang the, the washcloth until it, it started to fray. <laughs> he like ripped the washcloth like in half and then he uh proceeded to beat the crap out of me and uh i was grounded in my room for two months i wasn't allowed to leave my room for anything except for school and wrestling practice and I, wrestling home, I had to go to my room but uh i never brought home anything below a b ever again <laughs> <laughs> the old style of parenting yes. back then yes and i knew it was coming <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You, when you have enough, yeah, you can kind of expect. Yeah, I, I knew it was going to be at least be said. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I now my I love my parents dearly. My mom has probably a big book of punishments. I have probably like ten things that I I was a terrible kid, and trying to think of the the worst punishment I ever got. I I lied about something and my mom made me stand outside with a sign that said liar <laughs> on it in the driveway and she goes you're going to wait till your father gets home so we can discuss what what you lied about. I forget what it was. It was probably something stupid. Like most things I do. Like the scarlet letter? Right, exactly. And to make it worse, my mom called a couple friends of hers to come over and you know, they drive up and they're hi, Mrs. So-and-so, hi, Mr. So-and-so. And they go, Anthony's outside with a sign. You know, he's like, yeah, he's fine. He's he's just being punished. And they're like, it's about to rain. He's like, he has a tent. It's okay, it's fine. But my, my mom did, did things like that. I locked my door when I was a little kid. You know, the first time I got, we don't lock doors in this house, you know. It, it, okay, okay. Locked it the second time. They took the door off the hinges. I didn't have a door anymore. Mm -hmm. Or... I, I wouldn't clean my room. So they boxed everything up and all I had was a bed that was on the floor. Like that, that's what my parents did. That was their big book of punishments. Uh, I, I could go and make a book about stuff like that. But okay, enough about the past <laughs> with that. Second question. Do, do, do. Would you rather time travel to the past or to the future? Mm. Probably to the past. I, I don't know. I think there'd be a lot of cool things, uh, cool things you could see in the past. And, you know, I mean, just from, just from, let's say a sporting perspective, you, yep. know, all, <laughs> you know, all these you know, wrestlers or baseball players um, or, you know, historic events. Um, so yeah, I'd go with past. All right. And you could basically reenact, Back to the Future too, and you can make a couple bets on on some sports, and that way you have a little cash. Yeah, there <laughs> along it is. The way. Yep. <laughs> what about you, Todd? Past or future? Uh, I'd, I'd go future, but um, I wouldn't go. You know, I wouldn't want to do like a hundred years in the future. I'd like to do like a million years into the future. <laughs> you know, is the planet still here? You like, might be in space. They, uh, they, it might not be here. Like going like a million years into the future. Like, what is it like? Like, is is Earth still here? Are, are humans still on Earth? Like, have we evolved into some other you know species? I don't know. Like, I think going a million years into the future would be just crazy. You're going to be the only human. They're all going to be like guinea pigs in the future. Yeah. <laughs> or it's going to be like that, uh, was it, Twilight Zone where everybody's a pig and she's like the only normal looking yeah. one. I would probably, I'd probably go past too. I'm a history guy. I love history. So to actually go back in time. And I don't, obviously the piece of paper is only two inches by half an inch that I asked the question. So there's no stipulations like, do I get to return or how long do I have to stay there? Or do, can I come back? So I would probably do past. I'd go probably see some big event, something very historical. And then I'm assuming I have my knowledge of wrestling now, and I would try to be like a division one coach <laughs> or, or something. <laughs> go back to the days when they didn't know what a funk was or <laughs> something like that. Uh, all right. And then final question on episode two of Reckless Speculation 
Would you rather be able to teleport anywhere or be able to read minds? See, if you had this with, when you were interviewing you, Penn, you would already know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think you got to go with read minds. Um, although I don't know that. I mean, I mean, you don't have to pay for airfare anymore. That's yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> I would go teleport. Because I think I would go too insane if I knew everything everybody was thinking about. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might have a point. <laughs> what about you, Todd? What do you think? Well, you, you know, I'm a big poker player, so I, uh, I, I go yeah. read minds yeah. in a second. <laughs> yeah. Because I'd be, at, I'd be win every tournament I ever entered. <laughs> Ooh. And then it, airfare wouldn't really be a problem either because you could uh, just... Nothing would be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a good poker player of all time that's a good point i i would still do teleport because i'd probably have too much of a tell <laughs> in yeah. poker i i, I know what you're thinking <laughs> I go, Ooh, uh yeah. i i'll i check yeah <laughs> Boy, <laughs> all right so that's three random questions um earl we appreciate you coming on thanks, thanks where, where can everybody yeah, find me find yourself obviously you're everywhere. Your stuff is great. I love the corn interviews. I love the stuff that you put out. I'm a open mat subscriber and everything. It's one of the best stuff that I have that I pay for. Um, but for some reason, if somebody's listening only to this and doesn't know you where where can they find you on Twitter or. Yeah. Um, you know, go, go check out the open mat, um, try to get some creative, uh, fun stuff and, you know, then some, uh, hard-hitting stuff as well um try to do some you know in-depth stuff if you're a prime subscriber as well um if you're looking for it's the open mat on twitter and instagram for myself it's uh, earl of tom for the open mat so earl of tom on twitter um probably within the next week you'll probably be inundated with uh baseball stuff and, <laughs> and uh you know maybe hockey stuff uh, if we're lucky as well uh in addition to any wrestling uh wrestling stuff i throw out there and you're putting up a bunch of the old vault matches too on uh, youtube yeah. and everything which is fantastic i i was a terrible wrestler i didn't pay attention to the sport outside of the match i had in front of me Mm -hmm. And I never paid attention to the history of our sport. Now I'm going back and I'm watching these Lee Gutch's matches and, and all the, the matches that you're putting on. Um, I think your YouTube is D1CW. Yeah, that, that was my, oh, it's, it's under my name, Earl Smith. Okay. But, uh, initially I had a website called D1CollegeWrestling.net and that was the abbreviation D1CW. Um, and I had a project I was working on, you know, so many years ago and I was talking to Jake Herbert and name drop. Yeah. Name drop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I'm asking him a question about uh, when he pinned Mark Perry in the big 10 finals and, you know, he answers it. And then he's just like, man, that was, uh, that was like my favorite match ever. I, I don't, I don't, know where the video of that exists i've been looking for it for years and uh so i was like well i i just watched it last night i got it and uh i can get it to you and uh so i burned it and uh you know emailed him a copy and he was very thankful and you know he wanted to pay me 
And I said, you know, no, it's, it's your memory. It's not even really my footage That's per awesome. se. Um, so, you know, it, how about you give me a, a double leg ninja shirt? <laughs> uh, he was like yeah absolutely done and so uh so he he sends me a shirt and has a nice card in there and uh it says uh you know you're sitting on a gold mine with your footage and uh so i was like yeah you know what i may as well just throw it on youtube and uh he also was like uh pause it at the very last second of my match you can see my dad videotaping it in the crowd you know what the f <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, since Jake, Jake Herbert inspired me to start putting stuff out there and, um, you know, guys of, of my age, it's pretty, pretty crazy that, uh, you know, guys even younger than me, NCAA champions, uh, they don't have videos of them wrestling. Crazy. So, so I've put those on there and I've had, you know, prominent guys reach out to me and say, do you have any more of my matches? Cause you know, I want to show them to my kids and oh, so cool. they never see me wrestle. So have you ever gotten calls from like parents and, and like, you know, the, the mom of a wrestler is like, Oh, I had this tape and they try to send you stuff or. Uh, no, no, nothing like that. <laughs> but, uh, but like I had uh, uh, Eric Larkin, the Hodge trophy winner from 2003. I put one of his things out there and he contacted me and he wanted to get his NCAA finals match. Cause at the time ESPN was tape delaying it and then cutting out pieces of matches. Right. So oh. His finals match only had like part of the second period and the third period. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately I didn't have it and I don't know if it exists, but it's like, man, this guy's a Hodge trophy winner and he doesn't have his full NCAA finals match. That's crazy so, to me. Uh, that, that's crazy that, I mean, it's not that it was too long ago. Oh, I know. know. It, it seems like it's, <laughs> it seems like it's 1903 when it was 2003. What do you think? The iPhone's only been around for like 10 years. <laughs> it's something ridiculous like yeah. that. But the yeah, has come a long way in just a short period of time because you know, like Earl said, there was a time when it was tape delayed and they only showed half the matches and you know, would cut, jump in like end of the second period, and you know, you did. I mean, it was just terrible. So the, the way that they cover every round now is just amazing that they've mm -hmm. it's come this much, and you know, just like the last five or six years, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that th that way also for just match data, like just records, is mm -hmm. kind of the same way. It's it's hard to like before track and and wrestle stat, especially shout out to Dan Seifring for sitting down and actually inputting <laughs> all the information that comes through. If, if I want to know someone's record and, and breakdown of matches and pins and stuff like that from the nineties or something, it's kind of hard to find if not impossible. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think, like you said, we've come a long way as a sport. I think there's still a lot more growing that we can do obviously program wise um, we can do too, but uh, I think that that should be our last tangent. For the, yeah. <laughs> for the night. So, Earl, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We got to have you on again. There's so much more we could talk about and everything. But uh, good luck this season in, in fantasy. Um, and uh, best of luck to you on, on the open mat with everything. And uh, thanks again. We appreciate you coming on. Thank God. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on. I had a lot of fun. Whatever you want to do it. Awesome. Well, have a great night. Thank you guys for clicking. Thanks. Thank you guys for listening and have a good night. We'll see you next time. Take care, guys.